creative journey It's easy to get lost But don't worry, you'll lift off Sometimes you just need a creative pep talk Hey, you're listening to Creative Pep Talk, a weekly podcast companion for your creative journey. I'm Annie J. Pizza, I'm a New York Times bestselling author and illustrator, and I will be your guide on this creative expedition. Let's go. Do you feel like social media is destroying your creative practice? It is incredibly easy to get caught up desperately making stuff for free at the chance of something you make going viral, getting rapid success and changing your life overnight. Like that is an easy pit to fall into. I've fallen into it. You've probably fallen into it. But today I want to explore how I think social media is changing and how you can evaluate your own practices and figure out where you need to be investing your creative energy to where it will actually have a chance of paying off in any significant relevant way to your creative practice. If you stay to the very end, I'm going to give you at the end, I'm going to give you three questions that you can ask every time you go to make something for free and determine whether it is a good investment or if it's a distraction that is funded by the billionaires of the tech world, hoping that you will make their channels interesting without paying you a dime. And that's what we're gonna get into. If you struggle with this kind of thing, this episode is for you. Let's get into it. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new fluid engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site. Anyway, go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you, where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Ushai. 
I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In the Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In the Making and Adobe Express for their support. Okay, I have a little bit of a confession, and I feel comfortable making this confession because I feel like I'm speaking to somebody who probably could make a similar confession. So I feel like this is a safe place to talk about this. I feel like I have what I'm going to call creative aerial syndrome because I can imagine a kind of live-action remake of the live-action remake of The Little Mermaid but now she's not actually a mermaid. She's just a teenage girl who wants to be where the people are. She wants to see them dancing. She wants to get on TikTok, but her dad won't let her on social media. And, and I get caught up in the same dang thing, the same dang nets, but they're not the nets of ships. They're the net that Sandra Bullock got caught up in because I get caught up in wanting to be where the people are wanting to be where the eyeballs are wanting to be on the next big thing and make creative work and i can find myself sacrificing my best creative energy not making a picture book or making a talk or making something a book like i can be pouring all of that best energy into desperately working for free to make these apps interesting for these tech companies without them paying me a dime. And it's not all my fault. Like they are spending billions of dollars to create those very powerful, difficult to escape nets that catch creators and, and squeeze out their best work for nothing in return. And if you find yourself in that same position in that creative aerial syndrome, what do you do? Can you possibly escape it? I think that you can. And I think, you know, also I want to say, like, we've talked a lot about social media on this podcast. I think that there are ways in which you can use social media to your advantage if you approach it with clarity and focus uh, but I also think that social media has changed a lot over the years and has made it a much more dangerous place, a place that is easier to get caught up in, in a way that is not helping you, but helping line the pockets of these tech companies. And if I told you, you know, I'm working night and day trying to trying to get my work somewhere and I'm just getting nowhere on these channels, you'd be like, hey, well, what have you tried? I'd be like, hey, I've tried everything. I've tried all the channels that everybody has access to, given them my best creative work and I just can't get anywhere. And you'd be like, well, have you tried the fancy one where the pretty people are selling products? And I'd be like, yeah, I've, I've tried that. And you'd be like, well, what about the one where there, you know, there's the pranks and people fall flat on their face and do face plants, you know, all that kind of stuff. Have you tried that? And I'd be like, yeah, of course I've tried that. And they're like, well, what about the one with news and politics all day? Uh, have you tried that? And I'm like, 
look, I've tried everything. They're like, well, have you tried the one, the God one, where they're constantly, you know, uh, t talking about spiritual stuff? And I'm like, dude, I've tried every single thing. And you're like, okay, well, you've tried Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. I mean, yeah, I guess that's that's most of it. And I'd be like, no, I haven't tried any of those. I, not everybody even has a smartphone. I'm trying to reach everybody. I'm talking basic public TV, home shopping network, America's Funniest Video, C-SPAN, Televangelist. I'm trying to go where the people are, where everybody has access. You'd be like, dude, you're wasting your time trying to be where everybody is in those spaces, trying to appeal to the lowest common denominators of our basic instincts. Like people might be there. They might have access to those channels, but your people, your actual potential true fans are either not there or they're not there looking for the type of art and depth and creativity that you are creating. You got to give up, quit wasting all your precious creative energy in those limited ways because you're only ever going to get anywhere on those channels if you sacrifice your creative voice. And that's why I think it's creative aerial syndrome. Not just because you want to be where the people are. It's because in order to live in those spaces, you're going to have to get out of the waters you swim in, water yourself down, give up what makes you you. You have to give up your creative voice. And I didn't make up the idea of uh, Ariel giving up her voice as like a symbol of sacrificing your identity for somebody. Like that's a common interpretation of that story because it's right there screaming at you on the surface like Scuttle the Seagull. But I haven't heard anybody apply this to creators on social media, sacrificing their creative voice, sacrificing their identity, giving up everything about who they are, working their tails off to win hearts, but not real hearts. Like these are fake half-hearted little likes that you're giving all this up for. And I'm kind of surprised that I'm the only one making that comparison because it's right on the surface. Like Scuttle is right there calling you out for pretending to be somebody you're not. Look at what the catfish dragged in. <laughs> We get mad at these companies that email us and say, hey, I'm running a design contest uh, or people saying, hey, this will be really good exposure. Will you do this for free? But I don't see the same vitriol for these tech companies. I mean, I've seen plenty of vitriol for tech companies, but I don't see people protesting the fact that they are demanding us working for free and getting back virtually nothing. And don't even think for a second that I don't fall for this same crap. I do. And I give myself some compassion because there are some very high-tech things in play to get me to, to hijack my, my basic animal instincts, my lowest nature to try to get me to spend all of my creative energy desperately working for little virtual hearts and I'm not immune to it. And so sure, Zuckerberg is no Prince Eric, but boy, does he know how to hook me like a dang fish in a barrel. 
And I have not been able to look away from the shipwreck that is Prince Elon's burning uh, dumpster fire over at uh, X or Twitter or whatever, whatever you want to say. But today, I want to talk about a few things that are helping me avoid trading my best creative self for that 15 seconds of short form video fame and instead investing in stuff that matters to me, that matters to the people that are true fans of my work and clients and customers. Uh, I want to share with you some of the things that have helped me escape the clutches of some of the worst of this because it's not the same as it was a year ago. It's not the same it was two years ago, three years ago. These, This whole internet culture has shifted to be essentially just the new, like there's nothing new under the sun. They're just the new version of infomercials and televangelists and, and America's funniest videos. Like, sure, there's a time and space for all that and we all, it all speaks to our base natures, you know, I'm not going to sit here and deny that I don't love a good, uh, you know, dad sitting on a lawn chair, busting his butt when it (laughs) breaks from under him, even just picturing it, I'm having a good time. Look, I I love that, but that's not the same thing I get from a comedy special that changes my worldview, which, which happens. Um, it's not the same thing that I get when I read a book that changes the way I see the world for the rest of my life. And that's the kind of creative stuff that I want to be in service to. And I'm guessing to some degree, you would like to play to our higher natures and in our best selves, because that's what creativity is really all about. So if you want to escape the net and uh, escape those pitfalls, um, let's talk about how we can do a better job of recognizing when we're falling into those traps of working for free and, and wasting our best selves and sacrificing our creative voice. Long-time listeners will know I grew up in Indiana. Uh, I lived all over the place, really, but probably in my childhood spent the most time living in Indiana and uh, the southern half of Indiana. And I, I have a lot of love for Indiana. Like, you know, the, this is the place that made me, but I can also share a few qualms, at least the neck of the woods that I grew up in, the suburbs that I was uh, formed in and raised in, they didn't have the most culture. We didn't grow up with a lot of culture. And, uh, you know, we, we ate cheeseburgers and fries and pizza and Pringles. Like this was, <laughs> these were, this was my culture in terms of food. And yet my dad became someone who really loved Chinese food. Now I'm not saying Chinese food, American Chinese food is culture. But it was a cultural stretch for someone like my dad, who was born and raised in relative poverty. Uh, I mean, well, when he was really little, real poverty, um, to get to a place who 
to someone who really loves Chinese food. Like, how did that happen? It happened because the Chinese fast food restaurant at the mall would give out little tastes of chicken teriyaki. Like, my dad would have never, ever bought chicken teriyaki on a menu because he didn't know what it was. Hey, I just am jumping in here from the future. I wanted to add one little bit here to explain something. I said that my dad loves Chinese food. He does love Chinese food. He goes pretty frequently to Chinese restaurants, Chinese kind of fast food restaurants in the area. And his gateway into those was the chicken teriyaki at the mall. However, I do know that chicken teriyaki is an American Japanese dish. But if my memory serves me correctly, the fast food place in the mall had dishes that had roots in several different cultures. And this was my dad's way into Japanese food and then eventually American Chinese food, which became probably in his top three favorite types of food. Um, anyway, just wanted to act, add a little extra info to flesh out what I was trying to say here. But when somebody was giving it away for free with little toothpicks at the mall, he wasn't going to say no to that. And he, we all tasted it. We all fell in love. And that was our go-to every single time we went to the mall. The Greenwood Park Mall. That's where we went. And, you know, I have great memories of the Greenwood Park Mall. Remember, they had these giant, like, sculptures of french fries and whatnot. Like, I think there was some huge shrimp hanging from the ceiling. And, uh, yeah, it takes me back to think about those chicken chicken teriyaki tasters. And I thought about, like, would have my dad ever expanded his limited food cultural experiences, you know, as small of those expanses may be, um, if it had been that they weren't giving out little tastes of chicken teriyaki, but rather giving out really nice napkins. Like if they were like, hey, you want this free napkin? And you'd be like, not really, uh, but you're like, no, this napkin's so good. It's the best napkin there is. And you feel it and you're like, all right, that's kind of nice. Cool. They're like, cool. Okay. So you liked our napkins. You're going to love our chicken. And you'd be like, what? <laughs> What's happening? You're probably listening to this podcast right now thinking, what the heck is Andy talking about? Uh, and what I'm talking about is the same thing that happens when musicians spend all their time on TikTok trying to be funny. Like when you're trying to be funny, oh, you like my jokes? You're going to love my new album. Like has that worked for some people? Yes. And when I say some, I mean some. Very, very, very few. I can only think of one person I know that has converted me from their comedy to their music because it's not a very obvious, direct pipeline. It isn't a place where I would suggest you spending extra time and money. If you make chicken teriyaki, don't go out of your way to master the art of making incredible napkins. Don't. And it's worse than that. Actually, the more I think about it, it's literally like someone giving away napkins in JC Penny. They're like, oh, well, oh, you you love these napkins. You'll love our chicken teriyaki. Go to the food court later. Let me draw you a map on how to get from here to there. 
That's what you're asking people to do if you're spending all of your time and energy making funny videos on TikTok. That's JCPenney and asking them to make their way, to get out of there, stop what they're doing in JCPenney and make their way to Spotify and search up and find and locate where the people that make these incredible napkins also sell chicken. Like that that's what you're asking people to do. It's a complete waste of time. Go to the places where people are already looking for the kinds of things that you are giving and create things, tasters there in that place and lead with your best of your best stuff, the easiest gateway into what it is you sell. Because if they get into that, guess what? They might try the crab rangoon. And I know crab rangoon is probably not you know, it's just an American thing mostly, but at this time in my dad's life, I could probably get him to try soup dumplings or scallion pancakes or something more authentic and, and stretch those limits a little bit. And creators, that's what we usually want. We want to get to the really juicy, authentic stuff that isn't the pop stuff that isn't the pop song. We want the deep cuts. We want to take people further. And you're only going to do that if you quit making napkins. And so I actually think there is a time and place to make free work for exposure. As long as it's uh, a taster, as long as you have put in the time and energy to have full dishes that people can purchase and that the things you're giving away are connected to the things that you can make a living from, that you can sell to people. So I'm not saying don't make any free work. I'm not saying don't make things for social media ever or for the internet ever for free. But I am saying that you need to be really mindful and focused and thoughtful about what things you're willing to give away for free and make sure that they are deeply connected to the kinds of things that you want to do as your creative practice. And so, like I said, there are billions of dollars being spent to get you out of that mindset and giving you all of the incentive to give your best and all and, and sacrifice your voice to making work that will not help you reach your goals or make your best work, but just make tech billionaires more billions. And so it's very, very easy to get distracted. Squirrel. And you need to be, you need to have some tricks up your sleeve to avoid falling into that trap. And so I want to end this episode with three questions that will help you that you can ask yourself every single time you go to make something for free. I think you should pause and reflect and ask yourself why you're doing that and, and have a process to work through. You don't have to use my process, but I think you should use some process before you give away your precious creative energy because that's what it is. It's precious. It's your life. It's your time. It's limited. It's valuable. And it you might not value it, but guess what? They do value it. 
And if they didn't, they wouldn't spend so much money and time trying to convince you to give it to them for free. And so I want to end here with uh, three questions you can ask yourself every time you're tempted to make free stuff for the internet. Okay, so here are the three questions, your action, your creative call to adventure that you can put these ideas into practice today and for the rest of your days uh, as you go to make stuff. Here's the three questions I would ask myself every single time I go to make something for free for the internet. I'm going to ask myself these three questions. The first question is, is this the right channel for the medium I sell in and create in? Is this, if I'm aerial, is this the ocean? Is this salt water? Okay. If I am making chicken teriyaki, is this the food court? Like, is this where people go to consume the kind of thing that I make? And I've said this a few times on the show. If you make music, I personally, if I made music, I would not be making stuff for TikTok. Now, I know, like I said, some people have made, have had some luck on that app going viral, having a breakout song. Most of the people that have had really huge breakout songs, as far as I can tell, didn't do that on purpose. I'm thinking about people like Steve Lacey, or I'm thinking about Samuel T. Herring, I think his name is, the guy from... Uh, Future Islands, having a big breakout song that was a remix. Neither of those people, I don't believe, orchestrated those things by showing up on TikTok on a regular basis. Those are things where those songs took off in people's videos without really any of their intention or investment. But most of the people that most of the musicians that spend all their time getting good at making short form videos so that they have a chance of people being aware of who they are and then maybe possibly leaving that JCPenney and going to the food court that is Spotify. Like it's such a, it's not even 80, 20. It's not 80% of your time for 20% results. It's like 99% of your time for less than 1% of a result. What you want to do is take all of that 80%, take uh, all of that effort and pour it into the, the things that make a dramatic return. Take all of that energy and pour all of it into creating collaborations with other musicians on Spotify. Create an EP that is you and another peer who has maybe a small audience like you, but uh, half of their audience don't know that you exist. And when you release an EP on both your channels, everybody that follows that person is going to see your stuff. Like that is so much better of investment. I would say don't ever do TikTok until you're doing that. And the same goes for illustrators. Okay, illustrators have had a great time on Instagram. I actually am grateful to Instagram for this one thing. They made it so that illustrators became household names. My neighbor who uh, had was not at all in the creative industry or had real artistic leanings or interests became fans of friends of mine 
that they had no idea I knew or had didn't know I had any connection to because Instagram made visual artists and illustrators at a time common names. It made those things common tastes in the culture. And that was an incredible thing for a lot of creators. But guess what? It's not the same as it used to be. Now, I won't say that means completely abandon Instagram. But what I will say is quit playing for views and likes and viral success and instead show up and collaborate with other illustrators. Do collaborative posts like I do when we have a guest on the show, not because it's going to get wild traction and be where all the people are and have people like my neighbors consuming it like they were for a minute, but instead it will be consumed by a handful of art directors that actually have a power to change your next financial year as an illustrator. I'm not saying don't make anything free. What I am saying is before you do it, ask yourself, is this channel, is the primary purpose of this channel and why people show up and turn on this channel, the kind of work that I create? Because if it's not, you're asking them to make too many moves. You're drawing them maps. It's not going to work. It's not worth investing in. And I wanted to make this episode because of the way that these channels have evolved. This movement toward short form video on YouTube, Instagram, Spotify, Twitter, like all of them are going that direction. And to me, it just feels like a race to the bottom. It is it's not making them more relevant. It's making them more like the same crap that we've had for the past 30, 40 years on TV, the channels that nobody identifies with, nobody spends time in. It's a limited amount of time where you can get people acting like uh, just animals. Like we have a part of ourselves that want to be more. And I think the creators, I really think the next generation, you know, my, my daughter is Gen Z and I see her friends and they give me so much hope. Like I, I would say if these tech companies don't figure it out, it is not going to be cool to be on these apps for very long. If it even is anymore. So not like a regular, I'm a cool. And so as things shift, I think, uh, we need to be mindful of that. And so the first question you ask, is this the right channel for the medium that I create in? Is, is this the food court? Okay. That's I'm selling food. That's where I need to be. If you're selling music, I personally think you should use Spotify as social media. And, um, you know, you don't have to make vinyl presses of every single release you do on Spotify. You can save your vinyl. You can save your merch for the more artistic endeavors, but for the free stuff that you're giving away, like Spotify is not a place to make a living. I, I really don't think that's true, but I do think it's a great place for people to discover your music for the first time because that's where people discover music. And so I think you need to get really mindful about what is the medium that you create in? What is the product that you're trying to sell? Like, do you even have a product? Are you, are you trying to get people to taste your chicken tasters and you don't even have a meal for sale? That's most creators right now. So all we're thinking about is getting new people. We're not thinking about how, what we'd actually sell to them if they got, we're like the, 
dog chasing the car. I wouldn't know what to do with one if I caught it. Because we don't have anything to sell. We don't have a product. And so the second question is, what's the purpose of this piece? And I think getting really specific in why am I making this? Is it a, there's only a few reasons. You know, we're going to, next year, I want to go into the three-act story, the three-act creative journey, um, the three pieces that I think are essential to having a thriving creative practice. And we're going to go into them. I think we're going to spend most of the year on those three things, three big series. The first one being finding yourself as a creator. The second one being finding your people, finding your place, like where the market, like is it the food court? Is it JCPenney? Those are the only two options. <laughs> uh, wh- where are your people and, and, and what is your place within that? And then the third one is like what's your product and how do you get people to it? Like that's the whole third section. And there's, there's only a few purposes within that three-act system of why to make work. Like the first reason might be I'm making this work for free to help find myself as a creator. That's a very legitimate reason to make work and put it out there. I think there's a lot of good reason to write on stage and, and put your work out there and get feedback on it and have that accountability. That's how I did it back in the day. And it's one of the reasons I still show up is just to work out new material and new sides of myself and, and develop myself as a creator. That, that sometimes is the primary objective, but it needs to be like it has to pass the first test. It has to be the medium that I am interested in creating within. And then if it's the purpose of finding myself, great. That, that's a great reason to do it. It could be to connect with people, to establish yourself in the genre or the market or the niche that you want to exist in and make ties and connections in that place. If that's the reason, that's great. If the purpose is to get new people to know about what you do, I would ask you that question. Okay, if that's the purpose, you're trying to get new people. You're like, well, how many new people do you need to make a thriving creative practice? Because if you have no product, if you have nothing to sell, it doesn't matter how many people see it. It's a complete waste of time. And so many creators fall into this pit thinking, well, if I get millions of followers, then I'll figure out how to make money on it. But I know people that have millions of followers that can't make a dime because they didn't, because people didn't follow them for the kinds of things that they're interested in selling. And they're not there to actually buy anything. They're just there to consume when you have something for free that they'll spend 15 seconds on. And so if you haven't built that ecosystem, you haven't even considered what the product is, you don't need people to discover your work. And so if the purpose is discoverability, I'd say, well, first of all, what's the end there? And then second of all, do you actually need more people to see your work? Or would that time be better spent invested in an actual product that people could pay for and, and you could connect it to the people that already know what you do? And so that's the second question is what is the purpose? There are a lot of good reasons to make creative work for free, but most of the time we make creative work for the bad reasons, for the things that 
Um, we don't even know why we're making it. So that's the second question. The third question is, is this the purpose I need to be focused on? And so if it is discoverability, if it is new people finding your work, is that what you need to be focused on in this creative season that you find yourself in? And if it's not, what is it? Do you need to focus on developing yourself creatively, finding your creative voice? Do you need to focus on connecting to people that are in your sphere of, of making? Do you need to focus on new people finding your work? Do you need to focus on developing trust with those people? Do you need to focus on getting them to subscribe to what you do outside of social media and algorithms? Do you need to get them to purchase? Do you need to make the sale? Like there's a bunch of different things that you need to be focused on. A lot of them do not require you to make tons of work for free. Like that is only a, a, a small sliver of what you should be focused on as a creator. And so those are the three questions. Is this the right channel for the medium that I make? What is the purpose of this piece? And number three, is this the purpose that I need to be focused on in this month, this quarter, this year of my creative practice. And if not, don't make the work. thing uh, in light of this episode, I will actually be pouring much less of my creative energy into Instagram. And, you know, I wanted to communicate that so that you knew that if you wanted to keep in the loop and get my creative stuff, that you can keep listening to the show, but also sign up to the newsletter at creativepeptalk.com. I'm going to start putting my longer captions to my images in email form rather than and alongside sending out the notification about the new episode um, rather than posting those on Instagram. And uh, if you connect with the stuff that I write there, then you can shift and uh, sign up to the newsletter because I'm no longer going to be pouring that much creative energy into Instagram. Um, and I also wanted to add two little footnotes. One is, um, well, they're, they're two podcasts that I wouldn't say exactly inspired this episode. This is an episode I've been working on for a little while, but definitely helped push me over the edge to, um, publish it. Um, one is Marley Grace's show common shapes, an episode called leaving Instagram or exiting the portal of validation loop. And the other one is a podcast that they mentioned, which is off the grid, leaving social media without losing all your clients. Now I have a very different take than those two. Those two have taken a much more, um, 
kind of in their own practices a much harsher cut with social media. You know, they both quit uh, forms of social media in their own practice. I don't personally need to go that far, but their boldness definitely inspired me to um, double down on some of these ideas that I've already been working on in my own practice and double down on encouraging you to do the same and take more seriously uh, how you focus your creative energy in places that are not social media. So anyway, I wanted to give credit where credit was due and also encourage you to go sign up to the newsletter so that you can um, be in my creative zone. Creative Pep Talk is your weekly podcast companion for your creative journey. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. I'm a New York Times bestselling picture bookmaker and illustrator for clients like Apple and Xbox. I pep talk teams at creative hubs like Warby Parker and Sesame Street. And I make this podcast because as someone with ADHD, it takes a whole lot of creativity just to get out of bed in the morning, let alone attempting to try to create a thriving creative practice. This show is just me sharing the things that seem to be helping me in case it helps anybody else. Shout out to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music and soundtrack. Huge thanks to Connor Jones of Pinning Beautiful for sound design and editing the show. Massive thanks to Katie Chandler, Ryan Appleton, and Sophie Miller for podcast assistance of all kinds. And thanks to you for listening. Until we speak again, stay pepped up.